Today is part two of that series called Different. We are called to live different. The scripture says we're in this world, but we're not of it. So what does that look like for us to be in this world and not of it? And uh, we're different. We're just called to be different. And so today, the title of my sermon is this. Are you aware of the outsider? Are you aware of the outsider? Uh, We're different because we're called to be a people whose hearts and minds are set on recognizing the outsider or the lost or the neglected or the forgotten. I think in this time of pandemic and and all of the anxieties and all the pressures and all the things that are coming in all of this, it's really easy for us to get focused on me and us and ours. Oh, God, will you take care of this for me? Will you take care of this for me? But are we living the way that God called us to? The scriptures we're going to read in just a minute is saying that God's heart is the one that leaves the 99 for the one. Is our heart still focused on those who may be on the outside, who may be rejected, who may be neglected, or are we only worrying about our circle right now? Uh, It's interesting the, the, the terminology that's come through this pandemic has really created a selfish mindset. Uh, we see that we have found ourselves in isolation. And so we're, we're, we're isolated to maybe just our families or certain people or, of course, our homes. And so there's this mindset of like all that matters is this right here take care of this bubble or uh, separation is a big thing that we're seeing. Make sure you're separated from one another. It's what's best. Obviously there's wisdom in all of this, but, but they're saying, Hey, be separated. Make sure you be separated from one another. Uh, we see divisions have come from this. Uh, you can see where opinions have been formed and other things are taking place and it's through separation and isolation. And now uh, opinions and, and, and information has caused division in this. And so again, our mindset, it's like we're almost being programmed to to have divisions and isolations and separations. And uh, we've heard another term called distancing. Oh, make sure there's distancing. And, and obviously we understand it. But again, it's it's this programming. It's this it's this um, behavior that's like starting to form in us of separate distance. Take care of yourself. But remember, the scripture has called us to be different. We're for the loss. We're for the hurting. We're a people who are called to actually bring people to one another, gather and, and be in community and be for one another. So it's very important for us to be careful that we're not again in our hearts, separating and isolating and distancing. We, we see things that are called the stay home order. Again, creating a a mindset of all that matters is what's happening in this home, Uh, shelter in place. It's, it's build this thing that's sheltering over the way that you think and interact. And, and, and it's a dangerous mindset that we start to get ourselves in six feet apart. How many of ever, you know, you're going to the store. Uh, I was in Lowe's because that's the only place we can go, right? And so I was in Lowe's, and and you all know this, uh, the anxiety and the pressure, and everybody's in a hurry. It's so chaotic when you get in these stores because there's just all this intensity and, uh, and there's literally this pressure of, of distance. And I'm telling you, I can feel myself getting programmed to want to resist 
those around me. There's this, oh, watch out, be careful, keep distance, watch out. There's this like resistance that's being formed in us. And I'm telling you, we got to be careful as Christ followers, because again, God does not want us to have this mindset of resisting people, rejecting people, isolating and putting people on the outside. Can I get an amen? God's calling us to draw people into community and then also being that light that, that, that shines unto God. And so it's important for us to remember that, hey, even in all of this, even though there's wisdom in it and there's importance in it, we cannot let it become a new behavior and a new thing in us because we're, again, called to reach and love and seek the lost. And, uh, and it's important. How many know you've heard me say this time and time again? But the first thing we see in Scripture that God says is not good is when Adam was alone. The beginning of Genesis, God looks down on all that he created and he says, trees, good, sky, good, earth, good. All these things are good. And he looks at Adam, he says, oh, Adam's alone. This is not a good thing. Separation, isolation, whatever you want to call it. When he's saying, this is not good that he be alone. Of course, he knows, we know he creates Eve and there's this. And so it's not good. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, this term has gotten political politicized, political, I can't say it right now. Um, but the, 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 the term uh, psychologists say that the two most powerful words uh, somebody can hear in, in, in your mind and in your heart, one of the things that we most um, relate to or connect with is when somebody comes alongside us and says, me too. When someone comes alongside and says, I get it, I'm with you. Or they say something like, same here, I get it. Like when, when two human beings connect on an understanding, it unlocks something more powerful than anything else. And I believe it's because God wired us that way. God wired us for us to be able to come alongside each other and say, I get it, I'm here for you, I'm not going anywhere. So if you roll that back into what the opposite of that is, then one of the most damaging things we can do to somebody else is to say, get away from here. I want nothing to do with you. You belong over there. Whether it be because of skin color or personality types or whatever it is, we are not designed to be people who reject one another. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And I believe that there's times that we have to call each other to accountabilities of truth and, and real things. But I'm talking about when our mindset is of segregation and separation, that is not the heart of God. And so it's so important for us in this time as we're called to live differently and, and live the way that God's called us to. We have to remember to take the time to look around and say, are we, are we drawing people in? Are we calling all people in and then unto God? It's so important for us to be seeking and saving the lost and those who are rejected and outcast. Um, I thought about it like this, again, that longing of the human heart to just have somebody who connects with you. Many of you have the testimony that says this, you've gone through things in your life that you never would have made it through, except for the fact that somebody was there with you. Many of you could say, oh, I never would have made it through that season, except for that one person or that person said this one thing or that one time. And, 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 and it's not because of your stuff. Oh, thank God I made it through that hard season because we just had such a nice car or we just had such a no, I made it through that season that I thought I'd never make it through because I had somebody alongside me. That's the message of heaven. That's actually the message of the cross. God up on heaven, choosing to come down and dwell among his people, take on flesh and blood 
and eventually go and endure the cross to save us and set us free so he could be the God who says, I'm right here with you and for you, and I've done all that I can to have you with me. Can I get an amen this morning? And so for us, we have to remember as we're Christ followers and we're Christians, Christians, we, we live like Christ. That means we have to be a people who are always seeking and saving and coming along the lost, the outcast, the others in our community to be able to say, I'm here for you. I'm with you. Uh, the number one longing of the human heart, uh, again, psychologists teach us this, that the number one longing of the human heart uh, is to be, feel like they belong to something, to feel like they're a part of something. You know, our heart's desire is to be a part of family, to be connected to something meaningful. Uh, you can see it all the way back to little kids. You've heard me give this analogy before, but even in little kids, uh, little girls, they start to have families, right? They get dolls and Barbies and they put together all their families and they're, they're sort of living out this, this connection through this family. Boys, you know, they got superheroes or they got cars or as we get older, we get into sports. What is it? It's our heart's desire saying, I want to belong to something. There's a tribe, there's a community, there's a belonging that I want to be a part of. And it's why, because God wired us to be that way. So I'm coming to you today to just say, listen, it's so important for us to make it priority that we're involving and connecting people to the movement of God that you're a part of. Their number one longing of their human heart is to belong, and we believe that they belong in the body of Christ. You may be watching today. You belong in the body of Christ, and we welcome you, and we accept you, and we believe in you. And so Jesus gives us this incredible example in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, about how Jesus is going through life and he does things differently and he notices the outsider. He takes the time to connect with someone who's rejected. Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it says this, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. Next slide. It says, so he left, speaking of Levi, so he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat with them. That's where it starts to get good. And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It says, Jesus answered them and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Basically, those who are sick are the ones with the need. So what I love here is Jesus, think about this. It says, after these things, well, what were these things? After these things, Jesus is going about doing miracles. Jesus is going about ministering to people. Jesus is literally fulfilling these prophecies of, of, of years and years of prophetic uh, uh, prophecies, and he's fulfilling them. All of the headlines are incredible in his life. All these exciting things are taking place. People are talking about him and he's like the talk of the town. He's, he's moving. And along that way, catch this, along that way of all these exciting miracles and moves that are happening in his life, along the way, Jesus has the mindset or the heart for somebody who's been outcast and rejected and set aside by those in the community. 
I wonder about our lives. We got all these things going on, all these great things that we're building, all these things God's doing in our life. Do we still have the mindset among all of this to go, hey, I notice someone who the world has rejected. I notice someone in the workplace who others have cast aside. Uh, God, you're moving in all these ways, but at the same time, I'm reaching out for those who need me. We're in a time of isolation, separation, distancing, but God is calling us to still be the people who look and notice those who have been set aside. We pray, oh God, in this pandemic, in this season, I believe that you're going to bring about revival and you're going to empty yourself on the earth in the last days. God's going to pour out his spirit and all of that is true. But if all of that is just for us to have more church and, and have better worship experiences and we're not reaching and seeking and saving the lost, then what a huge disservice our desire has been. I want God to pour out himself and, and move in revival and use this pandemic to bring about a great awakening. But the great awakening is so that we can seek and save and reach the lost so that we can connect with people, not to make it about ourselves, but to make it about others. God, pour out your power so that we can go heal the hurting so that we can take what you've called us to do and go make a difference in our communities. Can I get an amen this morning? And so Jesus gives us this incredible example about reaching somebody who the world had rejected among all of the move of God that was happening in Jesus' life. He takes a moment to go find somebody that the world would reject it and outcast. Levi's a tax collector, which is like the worst of the worst in the time. The criminal of the criminals, the most outcast. Tax collectors would keep taxes for themselves. Uh, they were so corrupt that they literally couldn't even give testimony in court. So anytime uh, somebody you know, would be involved in something, a tax collector's word wasn't even good in court because that's how corrupt they were. And so Jesus is walking along in the miraculous and he's doing all of these things that God has called him to. And he stops and says, you, you right there, you matter enough to me to come be a part of what God is doing in my life. The court says, we want nothing to do with you. You're no good to us at all. And Jesus says, you're good enough to come be a part of what I'm doing. Why? Because Jesus calls in everyone, no matter where they are. You say, well, you don't understand what they did. You don't understand how they hurt. I'm going to have a boundary. God, boundaries are fine. All that stuff's fine. But we use all of these excuses and put all these labels on people why we're rejecting them and setting them aside. You could say it like this. Jesus stepped away from the exciting. Jesus took a moment to even step away from the exciting and the fun and the thrill of walking with God and all the miraculous so that he could notice the hurting and the lost and the rejected. I wonder how many of us, we love the big church experience. We love the Bible study experience. We love the devotional. We love all the goosebump moments with God. But what about the non-exciting? What about the hard work sitting with the rejected, the lost, the isolated? What about the hard work moments that Jesus showed us was important? Yeah, I know the world has cast you to be that kind of person, but I'm saying you can be a part of what God is doing. Come follow me. That needs to be our heart. That's how we're different. Can I get an amen this morning? Is that we reach people. We love people no matter how they've been labeled. I thought about how overlooked mankind really is in this society. We're so busy and we've created so many eye circles. We got iPad, iPod, custom everything. Your car remembers your seating. You got all this kind of stuff that's all about you. 
all your own personal settings, you got all this kind of stuff, and it causes us to overlook everyone else in our life. Even think about social media, there's millions upon millions upon millions of people on social media, but yet in America, isolation, depression, anxiety, uh, we've never felt more disconnected. Why? Because there's this creeping in of selfishness that has, has set in on Americans. And I'm just saying in this pandemic and in this season, we can't let this isolation, this six feet of distance, cause it to grow even more in us. Amen. There's this story of a guy who had a heart attack on the, in New York City. He's on the subway and he was traveling uh, on the subway and he had a heart attack and died. And they looked up the security footage and they had noticed that he had had a heart attack and he rode the subway dead for nine hours before anyone noticed that there was a problem. For nine hours, I've heard another story uh, that I remember several years ago, uh, I heard a story of a child who had been kidnapped and he had lived with his kidnapper for five years in a nice neighborhood. And nobody noticed, nobody ever stopped to think, hey, I wonder where that neighbor got that kid. They said he would be in the backyard and be involved for five years. No one ever stopped to notice. I remember thinking to myself when I heard this story, how did they not notice that that person now has a kid? But then I began to think about it like this. We make the same mistake in the way that we love and treat our neighbors in the sense of how are you not noticing that your neighbor has such great pain? How are you not noticing? How is it even possible for us to not notice that our, our coworker or someone we care about is in, is in great pain or has, has great issue that we need to cause and uh, take attention to? They're walking in a bitterness or, or they've been rejected and we're just kind of going about our day, not even paying attention. No, we got to pay attention. We can't let this thing cause us to be more separate than we are now. I love this thought. Hear this. Why is patience so important? because it makes us pay attention. Why is patience so important? Because it makes us pay attention. I believe this pandemic and all of the stuff that's going on and it's really making us soul search what matters. And this patience has got us to, to look around and go, hey, what, what in here really matters? What, what do we need to pay attention to? Bob Goff says it like this, awareness is a form of acceptance. Don't get bored with this thought. Stick with me here. Awareness is a form of acceptance. I wonder how much of us are so busy, we're so in a hurry, even in a pandemic. You can be so distracted with your anxious thoughts and your busyness of your, of your mind that you are no longer aware to the hurts and the concerns and the pains and the issues of those around us. I believe this patience is, is, is this season is going to teach us patience so that we can pay attention and become aware. Therefore, we can accept and bring in and draw near to those who need our love and our and our support. Romans 15, 7 says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Listen, when we take the time to reach and love and connect a coworker, a neighbor, a loved one, a family, whoever it is, a friend, an outcast, when we take the time to accept as Christ accepted us, it brings glory to God. And bringing glory to God is what we're here to do. We can make it all about scriptures that we memorize and all the church stuff that we have in order. 
But what it comes down to is bringing glory to God. And the scripture is teaching us, look, if we can accept and love one another the way that God loved us, that brings glory to God. Here, I put it down like this. I hope we are not so busy being Christians that we aren't very good Christians. I hope we're not so busy doing devotionals and singing our worship songs and memorizing scripture and doing all the good things that God has called us to do. We're so busy taking care of all of those things that we aren't really living out the way God's called us to live in our community, though. Kind of like the Pharisees here that are saying, uh, hey, what, what's the deal with you connecting with these worldly people? Jesus, what are you doing spending your time with these kind of people? And, and the Pharisees are people who did what? Kept every, they were such good Christians. They weren't very good Christians. And so I hope for you as you're praying over your family and you're praying through this pandemic and you're praying for your business and the way that we're praying for the world, I hope that you're not just so making it about ourselves and our own, but I hope that we're remembering those who are hurting and rejected and maybe isolated and disconnected. Why? Because God is saying when we, when we accept and we love the way that he loved us, which is no matter where we came from or, or what it looked like, as we do that, it brings glory to God. The scripture says that Jesus notices Levi and he says, come and follow me. Come be a part of what I'm doing. Levi's making all sorts of illegal money. He's got this life going that's all built up for him. And he drops it all. He just drops it all on this call from Jesus. I thought about it like this. Isn't it interesting how people drop things? immediately like Levi, when we give them pure and true acceptance, value, attention, and understanding. Isn't it interesting how, how people, when they're genuinely loved, when they're wholly accepted, when they're purely taken care of, they're willing to walk away from all of the things that are hindering them because we're truly accepting them. Notice it didn't say Jesus lectured him Notice it didn't say Jesus preached at him. Notice it didn't say Jesus told him how wrong he was. And therefore Levi dropped everything and went with him. No, it says that he called him to be a part of his life. He accepted him. He brought him in. Far too often churches has put their fingers in people's face and told them what they're doing wrong and told them they need to get right and told them to do all the things. We need to be like a Jesus and just welcome people in to this journey of what God is doing in our lives. Can I get an amen? Romans chapter 14, verse one. This is the message version. I love this. If you don't get anything today, get this. Romans chapter 14, verse one message version says this. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who do not see things the way you do and don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions, but weak in their faith, remember that they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Scripture is talking about for believers here, but I'm believing this is also a call for those who are not a believer. It's saying like, look, we all have a different background, a different story, a different history. Don't jump all over one another. But the scripture says instead, it says, welcome with open arms. Draw them in, bring them in. The scripture says again about Levi, he was so moved. You could say it like this. He was so moved by the acceptance of Jesus that then he couldn't keep it to himself. Look at verse 29. It says this. It says again, after Jesus called him and Levi went with him, it says this. Levi gave a great feast in his own house with other tax collectors. 
What I'm trying to get you to see here is that when we reach the outsider, when we're there for the lost, when we say, hey, we're not going to make this about separation or segregation, we're going to be about bringing people in. Do you know what it then caused Levi to do? Go and bring in more people to what God was doing. This is God's plan, is when we seek and save the lost and we bring them in and their lives are changed, they then turn and go reach more people. But it's far too often that the church or in these seasons, we get so selfish. God, I need from you. God, I want you to do this for me. God, will you do this for my family? When God is saying, go and get somebody and bring them into what God is doing. And then it grows and goes from there. Can I get an amen this morning? And so don't let this season of six feet and separation and segregation, isolation, don't let it teach you and train you to be somebody who only looks out for you. We are a people who seek and save the lost. Um, I thought about it like this. Everyone needs a pat on their back. Everybody needs an encouragement. We were created to cheer each other on toward good works. Uh, you've heard me say it to you before like this. Everyone rises or falls to the level of their praise. We can talk about people down here and they'll get to that. Or we can praise people up here and speak uh, promises and, and, and potential over their life. And I believe they raise to that. People will rise or fall to the level of your praise. Let's talk about people in our communities and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces the way God talks about them. That's why God said about Gideon, hey, you're a mighty man of valor while he was still hiding in a cave. Gideon's hiding in this cave and God says, hey, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, I'm the least in my family. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I see you here and I'm going to speak that over your life. That's what we're called to do in people's lives. I thought about it like this. You're never going to have anyone in your neighborhood walk back into the house after having an interaction with you or a coworker. Man, I tell you what, the neighbors over there, I am just so sick of how caring they are. I mean, they're just so genuinely concerned about my life. It's just really getting on my nerves. You know, they just listen so good. And I just hate that when they listen so good to me. You know, they're always speaking such encouraging advice over me. That just drives me crazy. No, no one's ever going to do that. And so we need to take the time and, and speak life over people and encourage them and build them up and tell them what God says about them. But far too often we get in people's business and we get critical and we get judgmental and we get backbiting and we get negative. Are you with me? We got to be a people who speak well. You've heard it said before, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We can share all the sermons. We can repost all the statements. We can say all the things that we know. But if we aren't showing people how we genuinely care, none of that is going to do any good. Let's get in and get involved with people's life, even in all of this. Make a phone call, send a text, check in on people and genuinely be concerned. That's what makes us different. Are you with me? Uh, there's in my closing, I'll, I'll read you this, um, this couple parables that we find in Luke chapter 15. Many of you have heard this before, but it's so important. It kind of wraps all this up. Luke chapter 15, verse three says this. Then Jesus told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
seeking, seeking, always after the lost. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous person who doesn't need to repent. You can be a part of heaven throwing a party when we seek and save and reach the lost. It is our mission. It is our call. It is our connection with the gospel to go reach and seek and save the lost. Again, we aren't called to separate and segregate and push aside. What makes us different is our heart for people. Goes on again, verse 8 says this, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents again. Heaven throws such a party when a sinner is found, when the lost is brought into the kingdom of God, the glory of God. And what does it take? It takes us being people who connect and are used by God to do that. So again, don't let this season cause you to be a person who only takes care of me and mine and ours and all of our prayers are for me and for mine. No, this is our opportunity. Uh, I heard Pastor Lee Cummings say this this week. I thought it was so, so good. While the world is being shaken, hear this part, while the world is being shaken right now, the belief is that the church is being stirred, stirred onto something good. Now, that isn't like a James Bond statement, shaken, stirred. Like, uh, it's this, the world is being shaken. It's like a violent, but the church is being stirred in a motive, a stirring, like a, a momentum building, a spirit of God, like work is happening. Why? Not so that we can have more church, so that we can do more things for ourselves. No, it's so that we can be stirred to use this to go reach people, connect with the hurting. And so I'm telling you in this season, we got to be different. And one of the ways that we're different is that we reach people. We genuinely care and love instead of letting the selfishness grow on the inside of us. Amen. So I'm going to pray. And I hope that encouraged you today. And uh, if it did, if, if, it, if it moved you in any way, even click share now. This can go back out. Somebody can watch it later. And so if it ministered to you, go ahead and throw that share out right now. Uh, but thank you for uh, being a part of it and helping me preach it. But let me pray over you because I don't want it to just be like an ending prayer. I want us to actually ask God to, to, to raise us to be those people that aren't just looking at ourselves, aren't just impatient, but yet we're people who are saying, okay, God, how can you use me in this moment? So receive that as we pray it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for this way that you're calling us to live. God, we, we understand and recognize that it's not about us. You haven't called us to our own selfish desires, but God, you've called us to be a people who lay down our lives for others. And so God, I pray that you give us the ability to notice those who have been outcast and rejected, even as you are leading us in great and amazing things along that way, Lord, help us notice those that we can call into what you've called us to be a part of. Lord, I thank you that that's happening in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.